Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Command Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. I'm Adam Minahan, sitting here with David Niles, and we have a very special guest, one that I've been I've been very excited about this episode for quite a while. We have Dr. Taylor Marshall from the new St. Thomas Aquinas Institute, the Dr. Taylor Marshall Catholic Show podcast, co-host with uh, Tim Timothy. Uh, Gordon. Gordon, thank you. Gordon. Gordon, I went I went blank there for a second, but Dr. Taylor Marshall, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, that's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Um, really quick before we get going on the the drink, let's let give us a little bit of uh, what's going on with the new St. Thomas Institute. So about five years ago, I started the new St. Thomas Institute, and I had you know all these people that said, "Hey, I want to study Aquinas. I want to study philosophy. I want to study apologetics." Uh, I want to get deep and maybe learn about Aristotle or Plato. Where do I go? Right. And you know, you can you know you can move to a city and go to a college or enroll in courses, but there's not really anything online for Catholics who just want to rip it off the bone and and go deeper. So I said, well, why don't we just start making courses online, Catholic courses on you know sacramental theology and Thomas Aquinas, Aristotle, substance and accidents, uh, Plato, how to do apologetics. So. For the past five years, we've been putting out, you know, weekly courses on all of these topics and thousands of students all over the world, around 60 different countries, are uh, taking online courses at the New St. Thomas Institute, newstthomas.com. Awesome. Totally. Uh, so, Dr. Taylor Marshall, the, the first thing we do is open review and enjoy a man beverage. When I talked to you earlier, you, you suggested this uh, drink today. You said you, you just tried it for the first time over Thanksgiving. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. For, for the past five to seven years, I've only pretty much drink whiskey and 99% of that scotch. I just drink scotch, which is right. why I go out of the box. You know, I love scotch. So <laughs> occasionally I'll try something different. You know, someone will bring a bourbon or something like that. And my dad over Thanksgiving brought over a Irish whiskey, a single malt Irish whiskey. And I was a little skeptical about it. But, uh, you know, my dad, my brother-in-law, we, we opened it up, and uh, I kind of liked it. You know, it's not, a, it's not a scotch. It's not, you know, if I was going to the gallows tomorrow and this was my last whiskey, it would not be this. But I think it's interesting, and it's kind of opening a new horizon for me. So I said, let's do that. I mean, normally, probably if I was going to die tomorrow, like I'm going to the gallows, and they're going to pour me a whiskey. I'm not a fancy guy. I'm a simple man. I'm from Texas. I would just drink oban okay the 14 an oban yeah just the straight up oban yeah uh, for me that's just like scotch i just love oban mm -hmm. and then my daily 
my everyday carry would be everyone's going to laugh at me. You guys can throw tomatoes at me. I just like Johnny Walker Black. Okay. I don't know so, why. So we have a. I we just have a, love Johnny Walker Black. We have Blended. a. We have a uh, supporter, uh, and he asked us to ask you this. We, I wasn't going to, but since since you broached okay. the topic uh, of, uh, of Johnny Walker, he's a big Johnny Walker fan. He likes the black, but you did a review on all the different Johnny Walkers uh, blog post. Yeah, and you hated on the Johnny Walker green, and he was like, "I can't believe he hated on the Johnny Walker green." He likes it, so he wanted me to ask, have you changed your mind on the green? No. I, okay. <laughs> I probably had it since then, since I've done that review, and I actually saw it on sale at the liquor store over Thanksgiving, and I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. I like the blue. I like the black, and even the you know the, the gold and, and the in-between ones there, the 18 and all that. For, for some reason, the, I just like the smoke and the profile of the Johnny Black. I don't know why. Okay. I'm embarrassed to say it. And, no, and, there's nothing. Uh, you know, I've, I've drunk all kinds of of whiskeys from thirty years on down, single malts, and for some reason, if my kids are, I mean, you you are dads, right? And if you've got children who are, you know, jumping in your lap and asking you questions and all that, you know, breaking out a twenty one year old scotch is not a good option. You're not going right. to enjoy it, right? Correct, right? Yep. So if you're just having, you know, a dinner or your kids are around, or whatever, for me. It's just a blended Johnny Walker Black with some ice in it. Okay. It's not sophisticated at all. But if we're sitting around like this, let's try something different. So yeah, let's I've do got it. it here. I haven't poured it yet. Okay. So uh, I'll be sending you a, a uh, Catholic Mancho Glencairn glass. We have, a, we have a few. There's one right there. You can probably see it. I don't know. There we go. Uh, but Dave, let's, let's we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. So on the, so on it's, the no it's really malty. It is. It's very malty. It's uh, so it's an unpeated barley. So you're gonna you're gonna get a lot less yep. of the smoky uh, peatiness yeah, like the, no the scotch, right? And it's actually distilled by Bushmills. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Kind of makes me feel bad now. They uh, <laughs> well uh, they. <laughs> <laughs> they're a sourced whiskey they've always been a sourced whiskey and it's because right. the the guy bought a castle he had barrels of, of bourbon and so he, he he or barrels of whiskey so he he housed them there he housed them in the castle and so that's why they named it mm. after that castle and oh, so he's always he's always been so it's always been a sourced whiskey okay okay yeah wonderful I, I definitely don't think of this this flavor when i think of irish whiskeys uh, Connemara has a peated whiskey. Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of put that one with this one because it's also smoky, but this one's not really peaty. No, this one, so this one, uh, you're drinking the 12, right, Taylor? I have the 12. Okay, and I accidentally, I was going to get the 12, but I, at the store I got, uh, the 16. I accidentally came home with the 16. Yeah, accidentally came home with the 16, yeah. so... Uh, the 16 is called Twin Oaks or uh, Twin Wood, and it's because it's ex bourbon barrels for 14 years, and then for 21 months they put in uh, sherry casks. Oh, okay. Oh wow, yeah, mine mine is 12 in bourbon cask. So, okay, uh, Doctor Marshall, what is your opinion of Lafroig? Uh, I like Lafroig. Um, it's more of a winter. I always say Lafroig is in that class of scotches where you just it's cold and you just shot an elk or a deer and you're with your friends. And mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, 
early in my scotch career, I kind of, it was a little too much for me, but, but I like it. I'd be happy to, to put some down. Yeah. Why? What do you, what do you think of it? I love it. We're, we're, we're big fans yeah. of Lafroy 10. In fact, yeah. uh, they, they sometimes, people have said that they have looked up Lafroy and then the SEO, however it works, <laughs> Catholic that, Mancho. Uh, uh, the Catholic Mancho has showed up. That's amazing. It's amazing. So, which is yeah, pretty funny. Uh, uh, kind of, uh, it's funny on Lafroy. I, I drank it for a while and it was kind of in and out. But there's a, a a Franciscan priest that's a friend of mine. He's a CFR and he loves Scotch. He used to be a bartender before he became a friar, and he loves Lafroy. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm with him, I always have a bottle ready. Uh, Taylor, it's really interesting. Whenever we talk about the Catholic Mancho, we tell people about it. And they listen to it for the first time. They're always kind of almost. There's some people who think it's really cool that we drink at the very beginning, and then some people are almost like scandalized. You know, they're almost like, "What the heck is going on? Why are you guys drinking?" And you know, we drink, you know, f for its goodness, right? We we drink because the Lord made the things of this earth good, and we dr we enjoy them for the goodness. And on the Catholic Mansion, we try our best to um, show promote virtue on each segment. And Dave and I enjoy. A glass of scotch, we enjoy cigars, and we thought we can talk about moderation, we can talk about the virtue of temperance. One thing to talk about, it's another thing to exemplify it. It's another thing to to showcase it and to say it's okay to have yeah. a, a glass of scotch and and hang out with your friends and talk about you know theology and philosophy and stuff like that and use it for its goodness, which would be in moderation. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus yeah. like the it's not the, just okay, it's good. Yeah. yeah, praise be to God for yeah. scotch. Yeah, and and, and, and like other ad advocating too. like holy leisure. Yeah. That's something for that sure. I think... Don't you think that that's something that's been lost is like the idea of what holy leisure is? Yeah, it's a good thing because in order to have holy leisure, we have to have asceticism. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean is when your life is just... It's, it's all luxury, you lose leisure. Ironically, it's kind of strange. You get stressed out. Uh, we Catholicism has the whole idea of the Lent and then the Paschal, you know, yeah, the the fasting and then the feasting. And I just finished Exodus ninety. You guys heard it or done it? Yes, we've heard. Well, Exodus I've heard 90. of it. I've not. I have not done it, but we've heard of okay. it. Yeah. So it's yeah. ninety days, no sugar, no sweets, no whiskey, right? Um, exercise, prayer. You know, it's a good regime, and it's ninety days. And this is my second time to do it. I just finished it on Sunday, so just a few days ago. And so this is really good. You know? <laughs> like, this is really, this is a great moment of leisure because I've been without it. And yeah, right. um, yeah. you can't really have leisure unless you're working. You right, have you to work. Yeah, that's a good you can't point. Enjoy a, you can't enjoy Sunday unless you've been working for Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our culture is oddly overworked and not really into wholesome leisure, which in includes like, a social element. We're going to talk about socialism later, but you know, having a social element where you're exchanging ideas and you know, helping one another, encouraging one another, and, and talking about theology, philosophy, edifying one another—it's important. Absolutely. We're here with Dr. Taylor Marshall, uh, drinking a little bit of Napogue, 16-year, very, very good Irish whiskey. Super good. We'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Excellent. I like your St. Charbel there behind you. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. 
I turned, yeah, I think, I, I I turned think my is. mic on. Dude, sorry. We were halfway distracted. The Yes, people, your people, mic was very low at yeah. first. And now you can hear me better, huh? Perfect. Yeah. 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 I thought maybe it was just... Maybe I wasn't getting the audio, but sounds great we, now. We had sounds like a sure mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry turns about out that. I'm not on input number two like I usually am. Yeah. So anyway, these mics are the Lafroy of mics, aren't they? Yes. Ah, yes. Mm. <laughs> Can't believe I never thought of that. <laughs> so deep, you know. Right. Yes. Got the backbone into it. Yeah. <laughs> a little smoky. A little grit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so the next. Salty. Yes, salty. I like it. So the next the next segment we'll we'll, we'll go into voter card. Is that what you want to do for the uh, sure. man gear? We yeah. good with that? If you have your Christmas list, I mean, we're happy to talk about. I mean, that I have too. a list. I, I just didn't know if you guys want to. If you're going to talk voter card, I didn't want to do voter card and then talk about Christmas. No, no, no. we'll do we'll do one or the other. We'll, we'll do we'll do one or the other. Let's or, let's um, talk, let's see what you got on your list. I kind of want to. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, see what you got. We've never seen it before. For people who, who, are, who are just now tuning in with Dr. Taylor Marshall, we've never seen this list before. But we're, we'll be good. Yeah, right, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Are you re are you ready? I'm ready. When are we uh, are we still on the break? Yep, we're still on the break. Here we go. We'll we'll get going okay. right now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. We're here with Dr. Taylor Marshall. We just uh, opened a bottle of Napogue Castle. It's treating me very well so far. We want to talk about Christmas before we talk about socialism. <laughs> uh, Two things that oppose each other. <laughs> yes. Because uh, guess what? Christmas is very close. Um, Advent is this weekend. Which is weird. Uh, you yeah. know how the like the third Sunday is the pink candle in our house. We call that Panic Sunday uh, mm -hmm. because that means you, and I gotta, Christmas. I got to correct you. It's the rose. You're not right. pink. Okay. Yeah. You, whatever. Yeah. But we all know it's pink. <laughs> it's yeah. pink. What color are roses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so Dr. Taylor Marshall, you have put together a suggested Christmas list. Is that? Is that correct? Yeah. So every, every year for, I think, the past 10 years or so, I've done a manly Christmas gift list. And it's mainly for the ladies, for your dad and for your husband. And it's extremely popular because, you know, guys, I pretty much think I have everything that I need. You know, like I don't have a Christmas list every year. Like I want this and I want that. So, you know, you end up getting like a tie or a sweater or some gadget, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I put together a list and say, hey, you know, your dad or your husband or your brother, you know, these are things he probably wants, but you never really ask. So let me go through some of them. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Let's, yeah. let's see how many we can get through. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, one of them, what's your guys' theory on ice with whiskey? You pro, you for it or against it? Uh, it depends on the whiskey. Uh, if it's a good whiskey, I'm anti if it's okay. uh it, it depends on the day depends on the whiskey depends on the setting exactly you know mm -hmm. if it's a yeah. hot day and you're drinking a cheap whiskey definitely throw some ice in there why not that's okay so that's so i live in texas and you know i'm embarrassed to say but i love you know the the johnny walker black and one of the reasons i love it is i don't feel bad about throwing some ice in it 
Mm-hmm. And so one of one of the things, but I don't like the ice to melt so fast. So I like the scotch balls. You guys are in the scotch balls? Yeah, I have. I have some. Yep, I have. They I have some. Like, I actually have some here. Okay. They look like this. You put them in your freezer. Yes. Okay. And yep. this is a great gift. It's cheap. And I tell you, I use this thing every week. Nice. All the guys in my family, we have them, and they're great because you put them in the. They fit right into the scotch glass, almost perfectly, mm-hmm. and they melt slowly. Instead mm-hmm. of throwing a bunch of ice cubes, then you have this globe, and it's actually pretty beautiful. It looks really nice. You serve someone a whiskey if they want ice, and you put the ball in there. Looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it's also they good make, to have. Yeah, they make a they make a comment. They like it. There yeah. are other uh, mixed drinks that, you know, are in an ideal world served with one of those. So that's a good thing to have around the house anyway. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, so I, we Dave and I asked a guy who's like a whiskey aficionado he's a whiskey guy like mm-hmm. he does that for a living and we asked him ice or no ice and he said if i'm serving it and you ask for ice i'm going to give it to you he said yes um however if it's a nice scotch or something like that I, I would not recommend it here's why he said that he said it because when it gets cold it constricts the whiskey and it makes the Absolutely. less flavor it's like less flavor yeah that, that the whiskey can can provide so 100 percent agree 100 yeah. percent agree yeah, And then the other thing is when you add ice, not only are you constricting the whiskey and, and reducing its flavor, which is true, but the more ice that's in there, the more surface area touching the whiskey, it's melting and watering down right. the mm-hmm. whiskey. Right. So if you want to cool the whiskey, you know, if you're just drinking a blend or whatever, or a cheaper one, but you like, you want, it's cold, it's hot outside and you don't want to drink a beer like me. I don't want, I don't drink cold beers. I drink cold whiskey in August. So I like to use the <laughs> scotch ball. And it cools it down, but it's it's less surface area, so you're getting less watered down whiskey. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's a great gift. It's a win win. It could be a stocking stuffer. Women, yep. if there's any women watching? Yeah, yep. great. Yep. I'm for all your men. You know, so yep. scotch balls. Okay. Pair, Plus, it's one pair. of those things that if you have one, you could probably use a second one. If, yeah. If somebody comes yeah. over, it's like, oh well, I only have one scotch yeah. ball. You right. know, so. Yeah, so give him another <laughs> <Right>. one. <laughs> so here's the problem. My kids, I have eight kids. They're now in the scotch balls. So I'll go to get a scotch ball and they'll be gone. And they don't refill them. And they're putting them in there like juice and in their milk. And I'm like, come on, guys. This is daddy's. <laughs> I just like to eat orange. I like to drink orange juice like a baller, okay? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What you got on now, number two? Another, so another great one is a really nice slicing knife. I like the Victorinox slicing knife. This is the kind of knife that you see a butcher use. It's long. Or mm-hmm. like when you go to a country club and they cut the prime rib. Okay. That knife. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I know what you're Victorinox. talking about. You need that knife. You know, what? it's great for if you're slicing a turkey. If you're slicing, I use it a ton when I smoke a brisket. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Or if you do like a standing rib roast, all kinds of like the big meats that you cook. Instead of, usually the knife that, that you got when you got married in the, you know, someone did in the registry isn't quite big enough, isn't long enough, and doesn't hold the blade. So, I I wish I could show a picture of it, but there's no way for me to show a picture of it. There's one down in my kitchen, but I think a really nice carving knife, a butcher's knife, a long knife, like right. over a foot, mm-hmm. you know, yep. is definitely something that every man needs, even if he know doesn't know that he needs it, right? Yes, and try cutting brisket. You spend you know, 12, 14, 16 hours smoking a brisket and you got to make sure you cut it, you know, against the grain and try to do it with a dull yep. knife and it just like doesn't cut well. Horrible. You know, and you, you get just so frustrated. Ha- you hack it you up. You hack yeah. it up. Yeah. You want those well, thin slices. Most guys, end up, 
most guys end up because I've been in this, you know, I've done this. They get the bread knife out because right. the bread knife is that long mm-hmm. and it's a little bit serrated and it's kind of a cheater way to do it. I mean, I've done it myself. Yeah. Right. You know, you're going to hack it up. It's no good. You got to get yourself a real Victorinox. Go on Amazon or you can just go to my taylormarshall.com and search manly Christmas gifts. You'll find it. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. We'll link it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great knife. I use it. I love it. You need that knife if you're a guy. And women, it's like, again, not like super expensive, but it's, he's going to use it right all the time. Okay. What you got? So another one. So another one I got on here is, uh, I got, 10 of them here, but one of them that I've really enjoyed over time is a record player. Ooh. Um, yes. Yeah. It's got some vinyl. They make them, yeah. You can, you can get them for, you know, as cheap as 50 bucks and you can go real hi-fi, you know, thousands of dollars. But, you know, Audio Technica makes like a $120 one. that's really good. And, you know, we use these iPods or iPhones and all this digital music, but the idea of like listening to an album, like I like to pour myself a whiskey and listen to an album. It takes like 45, 50 minutes and you just go through the whole thing and then you have to get up, flip it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I have, a, I have a scotch drinking room in my house, a library, and I have the record player in there. And so when I have guys over, I'll put on an album kind of low, but where you can hear it. And we right. just listen to, we talk, but we listen to a full album instead of just like, basically we have, you know, mix list, playlist nowadays. Uh-huh. Right. So, and you can you can find your old grandpa's vinyl or your dad's vinyl or and and listen to some old stuff and even my kids like it. Yeah, man. They and that they used to like make albums. The idea of almost like a story. You know, it used to be. You know, Bob Dylan yes. used to write. You know, a whole album yeah. made to listen from the beginning to the end. You know, there's different ballads that, and then there's climaxes, and then you know, I mean, there's it was yeah, there was and even even the it. song that comes at, at the end of side one and in the beginning of side two, like they really thought about that because they knew it was going to take physical effort to flip right. it. You know, like exactly so that they thought about that in the studio, like okay, this is going to intro side two or whatever. So I think that's an art. I like it. You know, mm-hmm. so but what, and I can of least- course get all that on Spotify. I can get right. all that on Spotify and do it. But there's just something about holding the disc. Mm-hmm. Pulling it out of the sleeve, putting it on there, playing it—I just I hearing like the it. pop and the crackle. I like it. What, bit, what, what was last? Oh, what was the last vinyl you listened to? Well, one of the things on Exodus '90s, we can't listen to music mm. unless it's oh, like man. sacred music. Yeah. So honestly, you know that ended on Sunday, so I haven't listened to vinyl really in over nine days. So yeah. You know, another thing that I, I think is good it. about this compared to Spotify. You know, on Spotify you have unlimited selection. You have essentially everything when you go and you make a choice from these you know here's my vinyl collection this is all i have you you feel better about the choice that you've made and you're more committed and invested into it you know whereas on you know they've done studies on this yeah it's like when everything is a possibility you just don't feel very good about what you picked and yeah so anyway i there's, I, it, there's a great stuff. There's a TED talk on that. You know, like if, if you settle down, hunker down with what you've chosen, whether it's your, your wife or your job or whatever, you actually enjoy it more. Like mm-hmm. this is what I've chosen. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing with music. There's songs that I would probably have just skipped or thumbed down, but I'm forced to listen to them and I, I kind of yeah. learn to like them. Yeah. Learn the deep tracks. All right. We've probably got yeah. time for one more. What do you got? Last one. One more. So I got a, I got a bunch of things on here. I, I really like it. 
like a pocket Bible is a good one. But I think one one book that was really helpful for me. Do you guys know Steve Rinella, The Mediator Show? No, I, I do not. I think I think okay. I do. There's I think a, I've, I think I've seen a TV that. TV show and a podcast called Mediator, and it's about you know hunting and prepping meat and yes, aging meat and smoking meat, and it's it's awesome. But he has a book called Hunting, Butchering, and Cooking Wild Game. And it's a really beautiful book. So if you're if your guy is a hunter or you are a hunter and you want to be processing your own meats, 100% organic and just taking care of it, this book is color. It's 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 basically like a cookbook for men about, you know, how to cook how to cook deer, make it taste great or elk or, you know, butcher your own cow and chop your own steak. So it's Steve Ranella hunting, butchering and cooking wild game. Do you do you fry your back straps? Is that what you do? Um no. No, no, you don't. Oh, dude, I fry no. my back straps. You fry them? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, fry. Yeah, no, I, I, I got I got a bunch of fr- uh, back straps in my freezer right now that that'll be fried here pretty okay. quick. And what do you fry them in? Uh, just uh, some egg, flour, milk. Put them in, the, in a cast iron skillet. Nice. And like it, a chicken fry. Yeah, and it's really good. I eat mine raw like a real man. (laughs) (laughs) When we get back, we're going to talk about socialism with Dr. Taylor Marshall. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Well, great. Awesome. So now we get into the the, the meat of the discussion. Awesome. Uh, um, Anything that you want us to make sure to push or, or say anything about what you got going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing uh, winter enrollment for New St. Thomas Institute. So if people want to sign okay. up and take classes, this is like the time to do it. And then we also just launched a thing called Catholic Life Prep, which is for it's a curriculum for young adults tw- from 14 to 24. Because if someone leaves the Catholic Church, 81% of them do that between the ages of 14 and 23. So we're really just hemorrhaging out our Catholic youth right now, and no one's talking about it. So we put together just all these resources, videos, 365-day support for young Catholic adults to give them apologetics. So when they go to college and they hear the professor say stuff, we can give them answers and shoot them some resources and all that. So Sweet. That's called I'm really, Catholic Life Prep. I'm really glad Catholic that you capped prep. your young adult age at 24. A lot of times you see it go all the way up through 39, and it's like, you know, <laughs> right. you're not a young adult. Like, at what point? You're, what point do you become an adult? You know, right? Oh no, I'm still a young adult. You know, as if that's a. Right. Anyway, that bothers yeah. me. You know, we're yeah. per- perpetually kids these days. I guess it's. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Okay, let's get going. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, we like we're we're off the break. Uh, we we're still be, on a break right now, but here we, we go. We will be in three, two, one. Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. Sitting here with Dr. Taylor Marshall, New St. Thomas Institute. You're sitting here with me. Well, I'm sitting here with you. I'm sorry, David. But yeah, we're, we're here we're, with Dr. Taylor Marshall. <laughs> yes. We, we're working on getting Dr. Taylor Marshall here to Tulsa. This is true. In 2019. That is, that is something that is quietly in the works now not quiet well, now, that, told, now that you everybody, just told everybody yeah. <laughs> yes it's a secret that everybody knows yeah so uh dr taylor marshall so here's we're gonna talk about socialism today um 
it seems like that in our Wait, generation... But before, before, before we do that, if you guys want to join, if you want to start taking oh. classes at the St. Uh, Catholic Life Prep and or St. Thomas Institute. Yes. Yes. Uh, St. Thomas Institute is open enrollment for this winter. Is it uh, stthomasinstitute.com? Is that what it is? It is the new St. Thomas Institute, and the URL is newstthomas.com. Saint is spelled out. We're doing winter enrollment, so if you want to take classes, I think every year we say, look, it's the new year. Why don't you start reading the Summa Theologia? Why don't you read the Bible this year? We have a whole curriculum to help you read the Bible in one year, Old Testament, New Testament. So mm -hmm. if you want to get serious and really take your faith to the next level, starting January 1st, we got open enrollment right now, New St. Thomas Institute, newstthomas.com. So this is not a mini semester. It's not like a Christmas break. Uh, this is just next semester enrollment. Well, we don't really do semesters. So if you wanted to take 20 classes a week, you can take 20 classes a week. You can take one class a week, you take one class a week. So we didn't want to do semesters and make people feel stressed out. The whole thing you. is on your own time. Mm -hmm. So if, if you want to do it in a five-year trajectory, great. If you're just super hardcore, you're like, I want to do it all in a month, well, you could try to, you know, and you could, we'll, we'll let you do <laughs> Pump it so, out real quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have people who, who go really fast, people who go really slow, and, and, you know, everybody has different responsibilities and different vocations and time commitments, so, you know, we didn't want to say, here's the semester, you have to finish your your studies. Right. So you didn't it's, want, it's our you didn't, time. You didn't want, like, an overarching government that told everybody... <laughs> Exactly what, what they to had do. to do with their time. <laughs> okay, so which is what we're talking about today. We're talking about socialism. Uh, I listened to your your podcast with Timothy Gordon um, on socialism. That's what yep. triggered me to 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 reach out to you because I wanted to continue this conversation. I I highly recommend going to listen to it. It's episode one seventy seven of your podcast. If you're uh, on iTunes or, or Podbean or wherever you wherever you listen to podcasting, you can, or you can watch it on you you can watch the video version on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like today that, that a lot of guys, the younger generations are becoming the idea of socialism is, is creeping in. They like the idea of that. Um, they, they kind of hinge on the social justice issues, which is really funny. I love how you guys were talking about social justice, how that's kind of repetitive and redundant. We'll talk about that. But yeah. I, I, I have to start out with the, this idea of the seamless garment because it just it drives me crazy. I, I think that it's just such a a silly argument to, to put forward when I, I I learned about the seamless garment argument I just envisioned this all these holes in the wall with, of a dam and there's this like, huge hole of abortion you know, in euthanasia there's this massive hole you know and water's just spewing out crazy and there's all the, all these other little pinholes of all these other things and people are saying we got to cover up these pinholes we got to cover up these pinholes yeah, you can't like, work on the big hole if yeah, we don't cover the little hole right and it's like to me that was the idea that was put forward and I'm like this does not make any sense whatsoever Dr. Taylor Marshall why don't you go ahead can you expound on that maybe tell them what the seamless garment argument is and is that a good idea of what of my illustration, maybe. <laughs> I love your illustration. And, and the seamless garment, it, it's in America, it's associated with Cardinal Bernadine. He was the Cardinal of Chicago, uh, very liberal, very left. And, you know, a lot of, he was kind of a kingmaker uh, during his time in the 80s. And a lot of the appointments in America of bishops who we kind of scratch our head on with John Paul II, uh, we can attribute to the influence of Cardinal Bernadine. And, and Bernadine, took the idea of our Lord's 
seamless garment. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ had a seamless garment when they went to crucify him. And he said, you know, and of course, this is the 80, like all the pro-life stuff is coming to bear. You know, this is a new issue in the church. And he says, you know, let's not be too, you know, invigorated over these pro-life rallies and pro-life, you know, prayer meetings outside Planned Parenthood and all that. There are other life issues as well. Every life issue that affects human life is part of a seamless garment. You can't rip off part of the garment and just talk about abortion. You need to talk about immigration. You need to talk about human trafficking. You need to talk about um, uh, welfare. You need to talk about single mothers, inner city housing. You know, all of these social programs are part of being pro-life. Mm-hmm. And as Catholics, of course, we sympathize with that. It, we have a moral obligation to assist the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we don't turn a blind eye or a stone face to the poor. However, you can't get inner city housing if you were aborted in the womb. Right. You inner can't city get a housing food means stamp. nothing. Yeah, you can't receive a food stamp if you were aborted at three months. So the right to life is fundamental and underpins every other life issue if we're going to call them life issues and so what bernadine did and made very popular and it actually died out in the 2000s and teens the seamless garment but under pope francis become very popular again and we're seeing american bishops revise and resurrect the language of seamless garment so we just as catholics we need to shoot that down because the right to life precedes all other life issues and like you said it's the gaping hole Mm-hmm. It's like we got in a ship, we're hit with a torpedo, you know, and then people are saying, well, there's some waves coming over the top. It's like, well, if we don't patch up the ship, it's all going to the bottom of the ocean. Right. Right. You know, I think the only way that anyone could actually believe that argument, though it's a seamless garment, is that if you don't actually think abortion is killing people, you know, because yeah. nobody is going to really say, oh, uh, hey, look, there's someone getting slapped in the face over there. And we need to tackle that issue at the same time as we stop that guy from stabbing and killing that man. I mean, these are on a, a level playing field. It's like nobody in their right mind is going to say that getting stabbed and killed is no more a priority to stop than getting slapped in the face. You know, it's like they're yes. just not the same. So the only way that you could really believe that is if abortion in your mind isn't really killing somebody, which is exactly what the left has tried to do. But, you know, but they change yes. the language, they change the conversation, they, they frame it in their, you know, a way that is advantageous for them. And so uh, then that's what they've tried to, you know, to do to people mm-hmm. is convince them it's not killing. It's not killing. We're not killing people here. But that's right. exactly or or you you also see it's a good point. You also see them saying, well, they did it in conscience. So it's yeah. not morally culpable. And that's what we've really seen in the last two or three years is that what was John Paul II called intrinsic evil is now being mitigated by a conscience clause. Mm-hmm. It's no longer intrinsically evil. But they'll say, well, yeah, ideally aborting a baby is wrong, but that woman didn't really fully understand that, and she wants to go to college, and her parents are mad at her, and so we can't really blame her for it. It's not really a mortal sin. Right. And that's, that's, that's also entered into the moral debates yeah. to cloud things. Okay, I, I got us a little bit off topic, but I, but I just had to talk to you about it. I hadn't talked to anybody about this idea before, and I, I said, I have to talk to Taylor about this because it just bugged me. But yeah. why don't I open up the floor to you and let you say, what is socialism and why, kind of give a ground 
uh, understanding of why is it wrong? Why can Catholics not believe or, or participate in the socialistic party, socialism party? So, you know, we have Karl Marx and, uh, you know, we use the term socialism and communism. And in the Catholic Church, when we're talking about economics in the moral point of view, mm -hmm. the church prefers to use the word socialism. And socialism is the idea that all capital should belong and be operated by the state, including uh, human capital, which is our children. And we're going to look at that in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so this became very uh, popular during the Industrial Revolution. A lot of workers were manipulated by their employers. A lot of them were, were cast out. There was a lot of suffering. And so beginning then and all the way into our time, there's the idea, it's, an, it's really an ideal, that we could somehow make all the capital in society common, social. We all own it. Mm -hmm. Russia tried this. Cuba tried this. And therefore, we'll all be equally happy. If there's, if there's you know, 100 widgets of material happiness, we need to subdivide all 100 widgets equally amongst all humans, and we will all be equally happy. And the problem with that from the Catholic point of view is that happiness is not material. Mm -hmm. If you divide all material goods equally with all humans, it does not ensure happiness. Happiness, right. As matter of, yeah, as a matter of fact, when we look at Leo the 13th, which we'll do in just a moment here, he shows it's actually contrary because deep inside of us is the longing for the divine, the longing for the beatific vision. Our meaning in life doesn't come from having an equal amount of cookies or an equal amount of dollars or equal amount of square footage in our house. Mm -hmm. That is not why God made us, and it does not fulfill us. And so that pursuit will ultimately fail. And Leo the Thirteenth says that pursuit is ultimately based on the sin of covetousness, envy. Yep. And that's yep. what Karl Marx did. He, he played on the envy of men to bring about a social, political, economic, and even familial revolution. So that's what socialism is. Uh, it could bring about an equal number of jet skis, however— <laughs> And have you ever ridden a jet ski? Have you ever seen anybody sad on a jet ski? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Actually, yes. yes. You I have. Was once, oh. uh, I was once riding jet skis with my best friend. We had rented my. We had rented them, and I was going to go jump his wake. You know, I can go behind there and jump their wake, uh -huh. and I timed it wrong and actually hit him. Oh, and, yeah, and, that would and, make and, you sad. And, yeah. and cracked his jet ski, and, and he wasn't happy. And then I was scared that I'd get in trouble. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, we're here with Dr. Taylor Marshall. We're talking about socialism. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. I have a question for you as well. We're off air right now. Um, it's still recording video-wise. We're still live on we're Facebook. Live Are, we on on Facebook? Facebook? Are we on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're Facebook. still... We're still we're still there, but we're not on the radio. But when you when you and Timothy talked about uh, Hilaire Belloc and, and G.K. Chesterton, their ideas, mm. um, I always like. I'm not a smart guy. G.K. Chesterton's smarter guy than I was that I am. You know, Belloc is probably a smarter guy than I am. And, and they put a lot of thought Look what into I'm that. Doing. Look nice. what I'm doing. You're, you're doing a little. 
Uh, nice Actually, little Johnny I'm, Walker. I'm going to be totally unorthodox with the Scotch ball. I'm listening. Go. Okay. Do it. It just seems like, as I was listening to their ideas, it is like, this is just another form of, of, of socialism. This is yeah. socialism. And when I heard you and, and Timothy talking about it, and you guys both said the same thing, I was like, okay, good. I'm glad I'm other guys... crazy. Yeah, I'm not yeah. crazy. I'm glad other guys think the same thing. And, and like, I like G.K. Chesterton. I think that his stuff is great. However, distrib uh, distributivism is is just socialism uh, formed another way. Just To me, it's yeah. just like Christian socialism or, or, or however you want to package, brand well, because it. They, because we're going to look at the popes here, and you can't say socialism, so you have to give it another word. Distributism. Right, right exactly. So. And it seemed like whenever they got pressed on it, they, they couldn't ever give a, a clear answer. How does that well, work? As now? Timothy pointed out, you know, they said, well, who's going to actually do the distributing? Well, the state. Okay, well. Well, that's socialism. You know, yeah. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Vatican City, though. So. Right. Um, okay. Okay. But it just made me feel better. There were so many times listening to you guys' episode, I was like, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad they're saying this. I feel the same way. I just didn't know if I was crazy mm -hmm. or, or not. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. You're not yeah. crazy. You're smart. You're smart. <laughs> All right. Let's, let, let's roll. We, yeah. got, we got one more, one more segment. And welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. I'm here with Adam Minahan. We are joined via vMix call with our new friend, Dr. Taylor Marshall. We're talking about socialism. Uh, here's a question that I have, Dr. Marshall. Um, Thomas Aquinas, he, he mentions stuff about different governments, forms of governments. In his opinion, the ideal government is a Catholic king. Is a, yes. a a moral king, um, and so I wonder. It, it, ultimately, in socialism, you end up in communism almost every time. Obviously, communism is not the way to go. The way to go, but ultimately, <laughs> what's the difference between a king who has, you know, I guess, unlimited authority over his kingdom and a communist dictator? What if you had a Catholic, an actually Catholic? moral communist dictator in a socialist country what, what do you think the difference is there well just one clarification thomas wouldn't say that a king has absolute power to do okay. what he wants okay so there are checks upon in thomas aquinas um other other theologians or political theorists back in the day may have said that but thomas himself would not have said that um and could you have a really moral, wonderful, he's a saint, let's say he's a canonized saint king, mm -hmm. and he distributes um, wealth and land evenly. The problem with that, and we're going to look at Leo Thirteenth here in just a second, the problem with that is uh, what St. Paul says, you know, unless you, you work, you do not eat. There is merit in society. And we see in the Gospels and we see in Thomas Aquinas and in the Catholic tradition, you know, if you're a medical doctor and you can remove a tumor from my brain and it takes you 12 hours, you shouldn't bill the same rate as a plumber for 12 hours. And that's okay. Right. It's actually just. It's actually right. Mm -hmm. 
So if we did have a saintly, godly king, it w- according to Thomas, it would be unjust for him to do that, to pay the brain surgeon the same as the plumber. Okay, so ultimately, and what I, is... I think, we can, I think we, can, we can agree with that. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I certainly agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is ultimately the issue with socialism? Is it the way... Uh, you know, it's got to be. It truncates the human person. Yeah, I mean, it. I know that it is a well, violation of the man, a person's dignity. But why? How is it violating someone's dignity? Okay, so let, let's look at some quotes. Yeah, let's is that do it. too boring? Can we get some quotes? No, okay, so no, Leo no. the Thirteenth. Leo the Thirteenth is really he's he's a great pope. He's he wrote so many encyclicals on the Rosary, and he also wrote on socialism. And he he wrote uh, Rerum Novarum. He mm-hmm. condemns socialism by name, and he says to remedy these wrongs of the socialists. Working, excuse me, working on the poor man's envy of the rich, they are striving to do away with private property and contend that individual possessions should become the common property of all to be administered by the state or by municipal bodies, end quote. So that's a great definition that a pope gives us, Leo the Thirteenth, And he says the socialists are operating on envy, which we've covered already, and they're striving to do away with all private property. Mm-hmm. All right. Then he goes on to say, they are more, moreover emphatically unjust, for they would rob the lawful possessor, distort the functions of the state, and create utter confusion in the community. So three things there. The first is rob the lawful possessor. Mm-hmm. If I work and save money and buy a minivan, my family gets to ride in the minivan. If someone else squanders their money and gambles and they can't buy a minivan, they don't get to take my minivan. Right. It's just... Basic human morality, Catholicism upholds it. <laughs> right. Leo Thirteenth upholds it. And so he says that you cannot have common property. Mm-hmm. We as humans strive, and there is a certain meritocracy in the economic world. It's how it is. It's how it will always be. Uh, if you work hard and you save and you get property, you have a right to keep your property. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's right. just no, no. I, I 100% steal. agree. Yeah. Right. It no, doesn't say unless you're the government. You know. Right. It, exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, if I may, just be directly political here. Um, it seems to me that the Democratic Party has become a socialist party, and they really they have been for a long time. Um, I, yes. I mean, now now there are oh, there's Democratic Socialism, but when you hear the Democrats say things. After a, you know, okay, there was recently a tax cut. The way that they say it is that the Republicans just gave away a bunch of money. And that is not what they've done. They're simply not taking other people's money as much. They're just not taking as much of other people. They're not giving it away. And so it's an attitude that betrays their ultimate belief that in their mind, Everything belongs to the government. All the money in the country, it's the government's money. And it's only out of a benevolent generosity that the government allows you to use it. So, I mean, th- there's a, a huge problem here that, I mean, it, it's, it's a sign that points to ultimately where that the Democratic Party is heading. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, the video that I did with Timothy that, that you were just referring to is called Why Do Catholics Vote Democrat Against Socialism? And we talk about why Catholics traditionally vote Democrat and, mm-hmm. and why that's wrong and how it relates to socialism. And we look at the, the, the quotes from the Pope. 
Another thing that Pope Leo focuses in on is the role of the father and the role of the family. And he points out that Karl Marx and socialists, you know, humans are capital. Capital capital is not just factories and machines and cotton, you know, mm -hmm. pickers. Capital is humans. The right. greatest capital we have are people. And Marx and socialists say that the children belong to the state because they're capital. And we see that also in the Democratic Party. They have the right to educate our kids. They have the right to take away our kids. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. They have the right. They have full authority over our children. And Leo XIII, back at, you know, around the year 1900 is saying, this is a plague on humanity. If you believe that children belong to the state, and he says children belong, he says not to the parents. He actually says children belong to the father. Right, and even uh, the, uh, the Catholic social teaching says priority uh, is always given to the family over society and over the state. So, I mean, this is yes. straight out of Catholic teaching. I mean, this is so Catholic yes. social teaching. This isn't like some crazy guy that's saying something in the 1900s that's a pope. This is what the church has believed for uh, for all of eternity. Uh, and what I love about what Leo does here is, is not only does he state what you just stated, he actually states it, and then he appeals to, guess who? St. Thomas Aquinas. Here's the quote. Right. He says, Leo Thirteenth, Pope, the child belongs to the father, and it is, as it were, the continuation of the father's personality. And speaking strictly, the child takes its place in civil society, not of its own right, but in the quality as a member of the family in which he was born. And for the very reason the child belongs to the father, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, and he cites it. Mm -hmm. So this is really what it's not just people think socialism is a monetary or economic theory. It's actually a social theory. It's a theology. It's political. It, it touches every part of our life and it touches the family. And this is what we're starting to see in America as they're coming after the definition of family, the definition of marriage, even the definition of gender. It all goes back to socialism. Yeah. I mean, the word economy even comes from the word meaning family. It, yes. Yeah, oikos I mean, is, means the, the home of the family. So economics, econo oikonomos, oikos is Greek for the family, nomos, the law, the law of the household family, the house, law of the house. Right. Man, I'm really glad that was right. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed that, dude. You nailed it. Uh, you nailed it. <laughs> Dr. Taylor Marshall, I, I hear all the time, which drives me crazy that Jesus was a socialist, was one of the first socialists, yeah. you know, that he was this nice guy socialist. Well, he was also a drag queen, just so you know. Oh, I yeah, mean, there's a lot, like, there's people, yeah. So, uh, and they say, well, well, give me an example from the Bible. And I was thinking, I was actually in adoration this morning, and I was reading this, it just so happened to hit me. But in, in Matthew's gospel, we, you know, the, the, the rich man comes up to, to Jesus and asks him, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he lists all the commandments and all this stuff. And he says, okay, so to be perfect, Jesus says, to be perfect, go and sell all of your land and all of your goods. Well, that assumes yeah. that he has private property. Yeah, and give it to the poor. Well, that assumes that he has private He has those things to give away. Right. You know, so as a socialist, that is not, that is not gel. That is not equal out. Right? Don't you agree? Yes. And remember, in order to, to gain eternal life, it's an act of charity. So the right. man is with right. his own free will. Mm -hmm. A votive offering is taking what he owns by divine law and giving it to a poor man or poor people. Right. If the state comes in and takes my money by taxation or other means and gives it to others, 
I am robbed of the means of providing charity for the poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole if I community. only have an extra 5,000 a year for, for almsgiving and for the poor, and that 5,000 is taxed for me, I'm no longer able to give alms to the poor because alms require charity. It's a votive. If the state rips it out of my hands and gives it to someone, it That's- ceases to be charity. Okay, so this is a tough question. We only have a couple minutes left. At what level of taxation do you think socialism begins? It's he a really hard question. Yeah. I, I don't want to say a number because, um, you know, it, it is debated in Catholic theology. I, I would state, and I want to get this before we end the show, that, that Pope Pius XI stated that you cannot be a Christian and a socialist. He says, religious socialism... Christian socialism are contradictory terms. No one can be at the same time a good Catholic and a socialist. So just let everybody know that. But the taxation number, I don't know. Hey, Dr. Hillmarsh, do you have like five more minutes? We'll continue this outside of the radio show? Yep. Cool. All right. Well, uh, join us on Facebook or on YouTube. Dr. Taylor Marshall is with us. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. We're just so constricted by uh, radio. I have so many questions that I want to ask you, and it's like, I know that we don't have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, like this question about taxation. Uh, <laughs> you know, the go- yeah. go- the government has a moral obligation to tax its people no more than is absolutely necessary. Uh, you know. Well, you know, I like the qu- the quote from Leo the Thirteenth says that it undermines the purpose of the state. Socialism does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So that means that when the state is redistributing property, it's going beyond its power. I mean, they're, they're only able to do that because if I don't agree with it, they're going to put a gun to my head or put me in jail for five or ten years, and I can't see my family. Yeah, no, it's actually a, a very diabolical thing. It's you know, it's sort of like the fireman burning your house down, or you know, it's, well, it's a go- thing doing the opposite of what it's intended to do. The the role of government yes. is to defend my rights, mm-hmm. not to be the one violating them. And even exactly. Catholic social doctrine says, I actually wrote this down because I, I wanted to make sure I didn't say it wrong, but it says that uh, the state exists to protect the family and other civil societies. Intervention should be the exception and not the norm. Yes. You know, so it should yes. be like it should be the exception. Like you know, if if you're beating your child, the state should step in for the good of the family. Right. However, you know how you discipline your child, your child, along as long as you're not just sitting there beating them to death. You know, uh, is your is your the, the state should only step well, in I, as an I exception. Would, I would I would back up and say the state should not be a, a federal thing. In this case, it should be a local thing. We should have subsidiarity. Yeah, that's right. So it, there should be a local town, you know, a, a governance that investigates it. Then beyond that, you have counties and then states and then federal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, you shouldn't yeah. have high, you know, state, even, you know, Texas state or whatever, uh, governing and invading homes. There should be something a lot more local and subsidiarity because then you get real accountability. So, that, and then also, I mean, the state does need to provide roads. It does need to provide, you know, I think even, you know, regulation of clean food and clean water and, and things for our, our lives and our families to thrive. So how much is needed to sustain that? I think it would depend on where you live in the world, right? And right. what the cost of things are. But, 
you know, does the state need to, you know, be printing and providing textbooks? Uh, does it need to be, you know, writing checks to, you know, for people who are visiting fast food restaurants? I don't think so. I think it's, it's that's beyond, mm-hmm. you know, or, fund, or, or funding transgender surgeries. I mean, you know. Right. Or, yeah, or yeah, abortions. abortions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Abortions. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And like, again, I think that the Socialist Party has been, we're going to look back and, and like marketing teachers are going to look back and say, look, this is how you brand something because they've done a heck of a job branding it, right? They pull on the yes. heartstrings of, uh, you know, social, social issues, welfare, immigration, things like that, which as Catholics, you know, that's not a light issue. We're not, you know, minimizing that. That's a, that's a, that's a big right. issue. However, it, again, it goes back to there's there's so many different sizes of holes in the wall. Which ones should we cover up first? We got to cover up all of them, you know, ideally. But we got to figure out which ones are we gonna, which ones are causing the most damage first. Right. Yeah. 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 So, just the, the I'm just still trying to think about you know what makes a country socialist and how do you know, you know, unless you've got. A guy like Bernie Sanders who's going around saying, you know, the Socialist Party is, ah, you know, uh, yeah. I, you know, I think a lot, if we were to go back in time, a hundred years ago, they looked at us and they would say, oh, you guys became socialist. You know, yes, looked, I think so. That you look at I th- uh, I all think of the social at, programs. 1915 and, would look at modern America and be like, wow, it's like full out communist. Right. I mean, it, it really yeah. is because the, the state will take care of you. Um, Precisely. It's done a lot of things. I could stop working right now and and pretty much, you know, my family is not going to go hungry. We are, we would get housing, we would get cell phones, we would get food, we would get, I mean, they would take care of us. Yeah, I had you, kids. You'd even get a data plan with your cell phone. I, mean, I know I would. Yeah, I know. It's, it's wonderful. So, but. <laughs> so that in its, that right there is beyond. It's beyond. Right. I mean, I I used to work with the homeless and and work at the friars, and I couldn't believe this was like five years ago. I couldn't believe they all had cell phones with plans, data plans. Mm-hmm. Government mm-hmm. could not believe it. Right. I'm you know, paying like you know my whole family like two hundred bucks a month, and they've got government ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, something we didn't like. I mean, we kind of touched on. I want to make sure we touch on now is is socialism promotes envy between classes. I mean. We kind of talked about the envy is is the root of socialism, but it, yes. it, at the very very beginning you, you talked about how uh, it really uh, it clashes between classes and classes aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's a hierarchy, right? Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, I know that there are NBA players who are really good at throwing that ball in the hoop, and I can never even get close to that. And those guys make twenty million a year. I don't resent it. I understand how commercials work and how franchises work and how much money that brings in and ticket sales. And I understand the economics of it. And I realize as a, as a business, they need to pay that guy 20 million so they can turn a profit for their company. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I don't resent it. I don't envy it. Mm-hmm. I'm not the ones that, oh, you know, well, teachers work so hard and they only get paid 45,000 a year or whatever. Well, it's like, look, that guy can throw the ball in the hoop. Right. It's entertaining to a lot of people. We, I don't envy it. It right. is what it is. And the brain surgeon can do what he does, and the actor can do what he does, et cetera, you know, on and on and on. I do what I do, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful for what I have. But if we sit around and think, well, that guy makes 
you know, six digits and he makes seven digits and I do good work too. And you're just going to be miserable. Social right. justice warriors are miserable people. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think totally. when you realize that, that God created the world as a hierarchy, angels are better than us. Right. They're smarter than me. They're faster than me. They're better at everything than me. And God loves that. Mm-hmm. And I'm better than a, a turtle. And God loves that, you know? And you, if you accept the hierarchy of reality right. and, and realize reality that God made is hierarchical, you will you'll be much more contented and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because Except we can never be equal. Right. You know, I'm always going to be stronger than most other men, okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, most and your guys, humility, your yeah. humility is just, just sky worried. high. I, 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 yeah, I just say that because it's true. You know, uh, <laughs> no but, false humility. You know, we're all, you know, some people are taller, some people are better looking. With like, what? Where does it end? Where you've taken that all of their money? You know, are you going to impose mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic requirements that you know? Oh, you can't look better than this. You know, if you're taller than this, you have right. to hunch. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yes. Do you think that effeminacy plays a, a, a big role in socialism right now? You know, St. Thomas Aquinas yes. talks about effeminacy in the fact of like unwilling to do the arduous for the sake of giving up the pleasure. You don't want to give up the pleasure to do the hard. You know, yeah, do you think effeminacy plays a role? People are going to crucify, crucify me for this, but our wives, you are both married, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So our wives are naturally more socialistic than we are. Maybe socialistic is the wrong term. But uh, our wives uh, naturally are nurturers and they have multiple children and they want the best outcome for all of their children. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And they like to see equality. Women really prefer equality. Right? And it's because of their maternal nature. Men are much more competitive. Like you're playing trivial pursuit. I'm like, booyah. And she's like, come on, he's 10. You know? Like, <laughs> Dunking on my son. Yeah, gotta yeah. learn sometime. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right? And so so women are, are are in a way always policing the home and trying to create equal outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want one kid to get like all these amazing presents and the other kid get two. And so my wife is constantly like, and I love that. It's not a bad thing. It's very good. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think God designed yeah. it that way because that's how you nurture new souls and new human beings to take over the world and be adjusted and normal and moral. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, like if we watch, you know, like uh, a few years ago was Peyton Manning and Eli Manning were, weren't they in a Super Bowl against one another? Mm. Or a playoff? No, I think, uh, they, I think they, they played, yeah, they played against each other for sure. Yeah, but I mean, and I remember my wife saying, you know, they just need to make it so both of them win. They're just brothers. And I was like, that's so lame. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, like, yeah, like I want to watch that game. Yeah. 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 Like the coaches and the refs are going to make it so that they all win and they hug at the end. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you exactly. know what? I, I, in, a, in a way, I like my that my wife is like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be married to a dude. I want to be married right. to a woman. And so I think that the the feminine look at reality is that look. And so for men who are more effeminate, they do tend towards socialism. The problem is when you take the domestic uh, egalitarian of children and the mother and the motherhood and you apply that to society. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you, well, you, you know, apply it to politics, you apply it to states and you apply it to healthcare and you apply it to all, all these things. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't work at and, all. And you know, and honestly, if you look at, and this is going to get me in trouble as well, but ever since we allow, if allowed women to vote in America, 
if you take away the female vote of every presidential election, a Republican wins every time. The only reason that we've had Democrats and, and social programs is because of the female vote. This is toxic masculinity right here. <laughs> right, right, right there. It, well, you know, G.K. Chesterton talks about that, though. He was against all that because yeah. he says it breaks up the family. You know, voting, you know, right. having the yeah, man. Now it's the individual yeah, becomes the voting right. block instead right. of the, yeah, the family. You, well, you know, you know, we but, didn't cover the word uh, in, individual, which is, a, which is a socialist term. I don't ever use it. Because oh, really? they said, well, because a, a, a society can be divided, a community can be divided, a nation can be divided. A town can be divided, a family can be divided, but you can't be divided. You're an individual. You see that? Ah, no. In Christian, in, in Christianity, we've always used the word person, that we're persons. Mm -hmm. And think about it. We would never say there are three individuals in the Holy Trinity. That's, her, that's heretical. There are right. three persons. Persons has to do with social interaction, mm -hmm. personal, personalism. Mm -hmm. So in, the, in our time period, in the last really 50 years, we've had this word individual come up and all the liberals use it. Listen, anytime you hear a Democrat give a speech in America, they use the word individual. And that's mm. a communist word. It's a socialist word. I hear because by swear it off. Why, would, why yeah. would I refer to you as an individual? It, may, it means undivided one. Yeah. Because they're presuming yeah. everything else in reality can be divided by the state except for you. Yeah, say that, tell that to Wallace from Braveheart. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty sure he got divided. <laughs> but, uh, you know, back to what you were saying about the women and their view of, you know, fairness. And uh, there's mm -hmm. some truth here because ultimately that's the way it'll work out. In heaven, the differences between us, they won't be inequalities. They'll just be differences, you know, and we will all get exactly... Mm -hmm what we deserve based on what well, we yeah. are. See, that's the thing we get there. There will be a hierarchy in heaven. Like the blessed right. Virgin Mary is going to be Levels. higher than me. Right. And I don't envy that. I'm like, cool. Like St. No, Francis yeah. gets to sit for front row and I'm like in row like 500. Right. He's St. Francis. Right. And everybody is going to, I'm going to be happy. Like, yeah, I'm going to be happy for you that you're higher than me. Yes. And you know that, and the people below me, the two or three that are there, you know, they'll be happy for me. Uh, so if they, we won't have that unfairness, it will be because ultimately that's really what they're worried about. They're not worried about that people get the same number of presents. They're really worried about people getting their feelings hurt or, you know, right. that they will feel less than the other siblings or, you know, stuff like that. Right. So. But, you know, you know, one of the good things of being, I think, part of the vocation of the dad is sort of the, hey, son, man up. Don't cry because you lost the t-ball game. Come on. Mm -hmm. That's part of our role, right, is to realize you can lose and you can still be honorable. You can still be a cool guy. You know, mm -hmm. you can go into a boxing match and lose and, right. and still, you know, like my, you know, or, you know, jiu-jitsu or martial arts or any sport. You can lose and still walk away with, with who you are and it's okay. And, and that's, I think, part of the, what the dad impu imputes into the children. Mm -hmm. And that is the sense of, hey, give it your best shot. If you lose, I slap you on the back and, and you know, we'll have a scotch together. And, and you know, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, you watch great fights and you see the loser come forward and, and shake the hand like you're the better man. We all of us know intuitively that's good. That's noble. It's virtuous. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah. For sure. And it's like, that's the way, you know, this is what men are really good at. When they get an argument, they fight about it, and everyone knows who the winner is. We yep. don't have to keep, you know, mm-hmm. gossiping about it. The, the, the problem with women arguments is that there are no clear <laughs> rules on who is the winner. You know, uh, (laughs) it's not the last guy standing. (laughs) You just keep gossiping about it until. Well, that's, you know, I do jujitsu and like I go to my gym and there's 30 guys there and I look around the room and I can be like, okay, those 15 guys will totally smoke me every time. There's nothing I can do to ever beat those guys. And there's about 15, you know, 14 guys. I'm like, I can get those guys. And there's two or three of them like, "Ah, it's going to be who we'll find out tonight. But I'm in a pecking order. Right, and it keeps me from being prideful, and it also keeps a you know a certain humility in there because I know like oh I can beat those guys, but those guys can beat me, and and right, I can't boast about it, and I can't envy, and I can't be covet. It just is what it is. At yeah. the end of the night, when everybody goes home in the parking lot, these people got beat, and these people won, and it's kind of the same every week, and it just is what it is. Yep. It's good for you, uh, Doctor. I just want to like as. Uh, you know, we're off radio, but we're still on Facebook and, and it'll probably be on the podcast. But I just want to thank you and Timothy and all you guys. You, you know, you had Patrick Coffin on recently. Yeah. You, you guys are uh, one thing that somebody told me, they texted it to me today. It said, it said uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall says everything that everybody wants to say, but they don't have the backbone to say it. That's what he, that, that, that's the text message I got today. So I want to thank you for your courage. I want to thank you for, for standing up. Um, I hope that we, Dave and I follow kind of in, in that same, same light. I hope that's what the Catholic mantra kind of does as well. Yeah. But the research that you've put into, especially the Vatican topics that you've talked about, you've just done it. So it's just been so balanced, fair. And it, like you said, it just is what it is. The way you talk about it, that's just the way it is. And so I, we call a spade a spade. It's very refreshing. Uh, so thank you. Keep doing it. Yeah. I don't get... Don't wear down. I um, think it's what we need. Yeah, we need it. You know it. what? You so. know, most people, I, I think we talked about this earlier this week. People, 90% of the feedback's positive. People are just saying, hey, I've been kind of feeling this. I've been thinking this as well. Uh, you know, I saw the show or whatever. I, you know, maybe they'll see this show and they'll be like, yeah, thanks. You know, like, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. No, like, this right. is kind of common sense. Yeah. Right. Everything we've said tonight, you know, from our whiskey to socialism is just sort of, common sense like you you don't really need a phd or like years of of studying to get this stuff it's just pretty natural yep totally agree we hope to have you out here in tulsa like i, I talked to you fun. earlier would love to have you out here sometime we'll, we'll try to set that up where we, we can get you out here for uh sometime in, in 2019 whenever you're available awesome thanks man Great. i appreciate you god bless you all right all right prost <laughs>